0: I noticed it was around Christmas time and you probably did too. I mean, we we do live on earth together, right? And Christmas time always gets me thinking about the birth of my last daughter, because I think about, of course, the birth of Jesus, because it's Christmas time and he was born in an unusual way, came to be born in a manger. And my last daughter who's 10, she'll be turning 11. She was also born in a very unusual way when she was born on the side of the road in my car, on the way to the hospital. So, in January, mind you. So, I had woken up that morning, and this being my third child, you kind of know what it feels like. So, I told my husband, You know, I think today I'll, I'm going to have your baby. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have your baby today. And he looked, he just kind of looked at me like, Yeah, like he didn't believe me. I'm like, Whatever. Right? So, the pains just begin to increase and increase. And I'm like, don't you think we should start heading out? And he tells me to go lie down. Because he's used to how we normally do things with the other two kids. So he thinks he can wash dishes and take out the trash and, you know, get everything going while I go lay down, right? So we finally get to the point in the situation where that's not working anymore. And I said, look, we need to leave right now, right? So we finally get in the car, and my mother comes and picks up our other children, and um, there's no gas in the car. So I had a car, and it had gas in it, and I'm not thinking I'm that close to having a baby, right? So I'm in his car, and you got to understand, I'm like a planet. like I'm. It's a lot going on, right? So I don't even want to move. And so I said, we're going to go to the gas station, and you're going to get 15 cents worth of gas, and we're going to go and have this baby. So we go to the gas station, and I'm in active labor, and we're gassing up. We're at the gas station. We leave the gas station, and now we're flying down 480. Now, I live on the east side, so you might maybe think I was going to South Point or Hillcrest. No, 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 no. We're headed to Westlake because I had visions of a water berth on the other side of town. So we're in the car, and we're flying down 480, and that's when I felt a pop. Some of y'all know where this is going. So I said... My water broke. Call nine one one. And he was just just a driving. And I'm like, man, what is up with our communication today? So I have to reach in the back seat myself and call nine one one. I get my phone and I call nine one one. And um, the woman says to me, "What city are you in?" I'm like, ma'am, it's the twenty first century. You can't track me. You don't, you don't know where I am? Wow. I, was, I don't know what city I'm in. I'm traveling from city to city. That's how fast I'm going. I don't know. So anyway, she tells us to pull over to the side of the road. And um, before you know it, I have that baby right there in that, that 2001 Honda Accord. And this time of year always brings to mind. Those memories because I think about Jesus being born in this very unusual, unlikely place, and here I am on the side of the road, having this baby in a very unusual, unlikely place. I think about Jesus, the savior of the world, the king of Israel, the lion of Judah, the bright and morning star, coming to the earth to save the world. I'm talking about high and lifted up, being born in a manger in a barn. In a place where you feed animals? Really? Shouldn't he be born in a place befitting of a king? Shouldn't he enter the world having all the amenities of someone who is royal? Not him. He was born in a manger. Take a moment to appreciate the contrast of the holy son of God, the the bread of heaven, the author of life being born in a lowly manger. It almost seems like it doesn't fit. Have you ever had that experience in your life where you, the righteousness of God, you, the daughter or son of God through Christ, chosen by God, being blessed, as your pastor just said, with every spiritual blessing? But it feels like I'm living in a manger. It feels like the things that I'm going through, the life that I'm experiencing, doesn't match up with what I thought I was getting myself into. It just doesn't seem to match up with who Christ said I am. You see, Christ was born in a manger just outside of or behind the inn. So he was just close enough to be able to see and perceive folks who had it better than he was. So close enough but not in the place. Just an IG scroll away to seeing folks that look like they got it better than you. And here I am out in this manger. Just close enough to see, but still sitting smack dab in the middle of a manger moment. Undesirable, an uncomfortable, and an inconvenient situation. I like to call those manger moments. Often throughout this journey we call life, you might find yourself in a manger moment. Even now during the holiday season, isn't it interesting? Didn't they say deck the halls with boughs of holly? Tis the season to be jolly but you're living in a manger right now. You're going through a manger moment. Well, I want to come with just a little bit of encouragement to you this morning that even in these moments where we feel like we're in the middle of a manger, it's undesirable, it's uncomfortable, it's inconvenient, that God is trying to teach you something. He's trying to do something in and through you. And so I want to talk, if it's okay, for the next few minutes from the subjects, meet me at the manger. Is that okay? Will you pray with me? Lord God, as we were worshiping, I heard my sister repeat over and over again, awesome. Oh, how awesome you are. We love you, Lord. We love to worship your name. We love to call on your name, Lord. We don't take it for granted that it's your air that we're breathing. We don't take it for granted that this is your earth that we're living on, Lord. It's you that mixes the air. We didn't buy it. It's you that holds this planet in place so we can live on it. And we thank you for it, Lord. We bow before you, Lord. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. Lord, we come hungry. We come thirsty. We come needing a word from you. God, I pray that you will honor it right now, Lord. God, honor our desire to hear from you, God. I pray that you would take the word and personalize it. You know what we need. You know what we came in here needing and wanting. God, would you fill us up even now to overflowing in the name of Jesus? Amen. So I want to come from Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read a a fairly lengthy passage of scripture, and then from there we can hop on into the specifics. So Luke chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 1, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, ESV version, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cranerius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is Bethlehem, because he was of the house of He was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Verse six. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse eight. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Finally, verse 21, and at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearing and reading and doing of his holy word. So I want you to think about this concept of having a manger moment as you're living your life. And I want to give you a couple of ways to know that maybe perhaps you have in a manger moment. First of all, it could be that you don't fit. You don't fit. So you did notice how Jesus and his parents ended up in the end. Why? They didn't fit. There was no room. Sometimes as we travel through life, we end up in seasons where we feel like we don't fit. You don't fit in with that group. You don't fit in with this group. You might even be outwardly looking like you're celebrating, you're having a great time, but inwardly you feel lost. Inwardly you feel like a misfit. Inwardly there's just some places in your heart where you feel like you just don't fit. You feel like you're different in a way that's detrimental to you, and it bothers you you could be having a major moment because you feel like a fool. You ever felt like a fool before? Like somebody was trying to get over on you? You know, I think about the way that Jesus' birth, this was not like a normal birth. Like, people had been talking about it. Like, it was a thing. Like, Mary had heard some stuff, right? They said, he's going to be called holy, honey. He is going to be the son of God. His kingdom will never end. It's going to be like this and like this and like this when you had this baby. So, can you imagine how it feels that after all of that, you mean I'm having my baby in a barn? Like the math ain't mathing. You ever had that experience in your life? Now, like, wait a minute now. Now, I know I'm following the Lord. Like, I know I'm trying to read my Bible. What is this? Lord, it feels like you're trying to make a fool out of me. And it feels uncomfortable, it's inconvenient, and you don't want it. Or you might simply be having a major moment because you're frustrated. I'll tell you the truth this morning. My husband is very, oh, he's just so even-tempered, man. You could tell him you won a million dollars, or you could tell him your head was on fire. It don't matter. You're going to get the same response. He's going to be even. He's like, praise the Lord. It's going to be fine. Everything is good, right? That's him. It's very difficult to frustrate him. Not me. I operate a little differently. I notice in my life, I'm like, "Lord, help me. It could be the smallest thing and it gets on my nerves big time." The the littlest inconvenience really, really frustrates me. And so sometimes you and me find ourselves in a major moment simply because we're frustrated by the undesirable, uncomfortable, and inconvenient things happening happening in our lives. And so if you're finding yourself in any of these three categories this morning, I feel like the Lord wants to encourage your heart. So let's, let's take these categories one by one. So let's go back to this idea of you don't fit. And I'm going to try to make this hopefully as plain as I can. This is what you need to know if you feel like, you know what, I don't fit. The ways you don't fit will be the same ways you are found The ways you don't fit are the same ways you will be found. Let me say it like this The distinguishing characteristics about you and the present circumstances that you're facing that you find undesirable, uncomfortable, and inconvenient are the markers that make it easy for God to find you. Now, let me be clear God doesn't lose anything. So when I say find, I'm saying that loosely. You understand? But, but I want you to know that God has a special place in his heart for the misfits and for the outcasts and for the downtrodden. So some of those things that make you stick out that you might even be like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that about me. It, ma- it just makes me feel a certain type of way. God is like, I see you. The father says, you know what? I have eyes on you. And it's easy for me to see you because of those very things that you don't like. So going back to Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, remember, it was said that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him, what, in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the inn. And so when we fast forward to what the shepherds heard and saw in verse 12, verse 12 says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lie, cloths and lying in a manger. So think about it. When the shepherds go to the inn, they're not having to knock on every door. Like, excuse me, is it a baby in here? He got on swallowing clothes, he bought this big. No. Okay, excuse me. Is it a baby in this? Y'all got a baby? No. It was so easy to find the savior. Why? Because he's out here in this manger looking crazy. It's easy, right? It was easy for him to be found. Your hardships make you easily locatable by God. So people who are in tight and uncomfortable situations might feel that they stick out, but you got to know that the Lord has a heart for you. Psalm chapter 147 and verses two through three says the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. Verse three, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God has a heart for you. In your deepest of times, God has a heart for you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. God has this desire, never-ending desire to comfort his people. I'm thinking about Abraham and and Sarah. You remember their maidservant, Hagar, and she went through all this drama in their house, and she was like, you know what, Um, I'm leaving And so she goes out, probably feeling alone. And who did she find out there? Genesis 16 and verse 13. It says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So in that very moment where she thought she was alone, she thought she was on her own. Like, everybody else has it better than me. They got each other. I have nobody. Here comes the Lord to let her know, you know what? I see you. You didn't fit there. You had it rough there, but I see you. It's been rough, but I see you. It's been uncomfortable, but I see you. You've been feeling like you're on the edge, like, can I go another day like this? And he says, I see you. You got to know this, too. In a lot of ways, we don't fit because we've been found by Christ. Like, you do know that we live in a dark and perverse world, right? So our conviction to follow Christ and to be the light of the world in the midst of a dark and perverted generation, you better know, sometimes you're going to feel like you don't fit. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Sometimes no matter what you do, you know, and regardless of your best efforts, you're going to feel like you. it's just going to be very, very uncomfortable. A couple of years ago, a missionary came to our church, and she was speaking about, um, I think they were uh, missionaries in um, China, perhaps. And she talked about this Hindu monastery. She talked about how godless the society was. And she said it was her practice to go through that monastery and just begin to pray. And she would just walk the halls and just begin to pray. And she said that she could always feel how much she stuck out. Because the people in that city, they would, you know, as they were walking down the streets, they would mumble prayers to their gods. And she talked about how constantly being reminded, like, I don't belong here. And it's a vulnerable feeling we don't talk about it that much. It's very vulnerable to feel that you're standing alone. Think about how even the animal kingdom uh interacts. They stay in packs. It's strength in numbers, right? So when you go to work and you're the only one or whatever the case is, it's not a, it's not a good feeling. But God says with me we have a majority. That baby, you never stand alone. Ever. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And they're easy to pick out because it's unusual. Even within, let's talk about it. Even within the Christian community, it's highly unusual to live in such a way that you stand out from the world. So for those of us that are bold enough to do so, the father says, I see you. I see you from real far back because it's easy for me to lay eyes on you. Psalm chapter 91, verses three and four says, surely he will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You know, God is so big and expansive. Sometimes there's word pictures that the word uses just to help us to get an idea, help us, help us to get a picture, a little something. So if if you can think about a big, expansive animal and his his wings are so big that you can find shelter from life under his wings. That's the kind of relationship that we have with our Father, that even when we don't fit in over there, we can find rest over here. We can find protection over here. We are covered under here. So you never stand alone. And even when you don't fit, you have to remember that you have been found. And you have to remember that you have found favor with the Lord and so sometimes we go through our manger moments and they feel tight and uncomfortable, but we can feel at home knowing the Father sees us. Number two, when we feel fooled, right? When it's just not adding up, if you feel that God has fooled you, it's time to change your focus. If you feel that God has fooled you. It's time to change your focus. If you follow basketball and you've been living in Cleveland for some time, you'll probably remember in 2016 when the Cavs won the championship. You remember that? And I mean, honey, the whole city was on fire. I mean, everybody, I don't even really know nothing about basketball. I was even excited. I'm like, look, look at at what happened, right? (laughs) And so following the big win, you remember that big parade that took place downtown and everybody was trying to go. Right? It was cramped. It was crowded. The parking was terrible. But everybody's like, "Oh, I gotta get downtown. I gotta get down there. Maybe I can get close. Hey, maybe I can see LeBron James. Maybe I can see Kyrie Irving. Maybe I can see Iman Shumpert. I don't even know if these names are right. I'm just this is what I read on the internet. I don't know. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm trying to do my best. But they're like, maybe I can get close. Like, maybe this can be, like, a pivotal moment for me. That's right. So that's what most people did. But there's a woman by the name of Emily Roggenberg, and she had the opposite idea. And so when she heard about the parade, what she did is she grabbed her camera. And then she rented a helicopter. And she headed down to the parade. And she flew right above the parade, and she got her camera out, and right in the middle of that viewfinder, she began to snap her pictures, and when it was over, she got home, she downloaded those pictures, and she began to sell them to local sports fanatics who wanted to be able to capture this moment from this perspective, so What was so special about these pictures? I mean, all the people in this crowd, I'm sure they took pictures. I'm sure they took selfies or whatever. But what was so special about these pictures that she had taken? It was that she had a different perspective. She had a different focus than everyone else. Everyone else said, we want to get up close. She said, no, 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 no. I want to back up. I want to see it from way back here. And so, so often in our life, we're up close. Don't you feel up close to your life? Like so, so close? And because sometimes we're so up close, it stands in contrast to God who has this wide-angle lens. He's like, I see the whole thing, y'all. I see I see behind the scenes. I see some stuff you haven't quite seen yet. Right? And so he's considering and taking into account and working behind the scenes and pulling strings that you didn't even know existed. And so... Sometimes we get so up close that we forget that God is approaching this in a totally different way that we feel like he don't know what he's doing. And he's like, if you only knew. You're the one that don't know. And so it becomes easy to feel tricked and fooled, like this ain't working. This ain't about nothing. Y'all told me to follow the Lord. What is this all about? Oh, ho ho, you don't know. You got to pull back your focus. Now, how do do you do that? Because that sounds nice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're focused. How do you do something like that? Well, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're trying to change your focus, this is what you need to do. You need to go back to the word of God. Watch this. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And remember, The angel came to the shepherd. We're going to get to that later because that's like my favorite part of this whole thing. But anyway, and the angel said to them, verse 10, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what is the angel bringing to the shepherds? The word of the Lord. The good news, which is the word of the Lord. You see that? So before that happened, the shepherds, they're at work. You have been at work? Anybody work the night shift? Then you know all about how this goes, right? So they're at work. They're shepherds. It's night. It's dark. It's just a regular humdrum day. And then all of a sudden, the sky lights up, and here comes the word of the Lord. So did you see how the shepherds were at first focusing on their work, their sheep at night? But one word from God awakened them to the bigger picture of what God was doing, The scripture says, Mary focused on the word of God. So remember, they heard all that. They're like, oh, we got to go to Bethlehem. We got to go. We got to go. So they go and repeat that word. And Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, you know, that she heard, pondering them in her heart. She treasured that word from the Lord. Even though it's kind of deep, like she, maybe she didn't even fully understand it. Like what you talking about? But she Oh, I treasure that word. I'm going to think on that thing. I'm going to treasure that thing. I'm thinking about. Abram, you remember when God told him, he said, look up at the sky. You see how many stars there are? There's a lot, right? You're going to have so many descendants. That's how it's going to be. It's just going to be a lot. While he was old, while it seemed unlikely, while it didn't really make any sense, that's like going up to your granddaddy. Like, you know what? I just really feel like you're going to have a lot more kids, like now. Now until forever from now, I think. It's just going to go this way for you. Like, it doesn't really make sense, right? I'm thinking about Joseph and how the the Lord gave him those dreams of how he was going to use him later. And it it didn't really make sense at the time, but he treasured that thing. And so I'm wondering, when you think about your life, what has God already said? What has he already said? Let me say it like this. What has he already said that didn't make sense? And you disregarded it. You're like, yeah, uh uh-huh, sure. Hmm. It's time to go back to that thing. What has he already said? And so if you feel fooled, allow God to change your focus. And we do that by going back to the word of God. Sometimes it doesn't have to be deep. Because that can be a controversial thing. Like, I don't know how the Lord speaks to me, et cetera, et cetera. It could be what Pastor Brian said last week at church. And you like that. And it it spoke to you. And you said, I'm going to go back and think on that. And then you got home and forgot about it. Right? It, it, It could be a number of things. But when is the last time that something happened some kind of way and it really resonated with you? It's time to go back and pick that thing up and carry it forward. And so we go through times where we feel like we don't fit, but we can be encouraged knowing we've been found by the Father. We go through times where we feel like this thing is not even worth it. Like maybe I just need to do my own thing. And that's the Lord inviting you to change your focus. But finally, I want to talk to you if you feel frustrated today, sick and tired of being sick and tired. If you feel frustrated, don't miss the opportunity to build your faith. If you're frustrated, don't miss the opportunity to build your faith. So now we get to go back to my favorite part about the shepherds. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Let's look at this again. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now don't read past that too fast. Take yourself back. Think about it. Just pretend you're a shepherd, right? That's just the work you do. Every night, here we go, another night with these sheep. Lord have mercy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the sky lights up, and it's an angel. Whew. And it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. And it was crazy. You know how I know it was crazy? Because it says in verse 9 that they were filled with great fear. Not even just fear. They're filled with great fear. Like, what is happening? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So that was that. And then you see this verse 13. And suddenly there's more. Like it was dark. We were working. It was bored. Then the angel came and we were scared and he gave the word of the Lord. And then verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly. Are you seeing this? First it was the angel, then it's this multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven. So imagine that. It was dark. The angel came with the word. And then came the multitude of the heavenly hosts. And then it was dark again. And they were like. And then they looked at each other and they said, verse 15, we got to go. Verse 15, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They said, wait a minute. The Lord just told us something very significant. Obadiah, get my staff. Hezekiah, get my good cloak because we got to go. We got to go right now. And so I believe that these shepherds and what they're doing, they're modeling. Oh, catch this this morning. They're modeling how to grow your faith. Watch this. Hear me on this. Build your faith through hurried obedience. Build your faith through hurried obedience. Look at verse 16 again. Watch this. Oh my gosh. So, this is their response. They were working, minding their own own business. Then they see the glory of the Lord, this multitude of heavenly hosts. And their response is verse 16. And they went with haste. Somebody say haste. Quickly. They hurried off. They hurried along and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The parents in the room know that delayed obedience is disobedience. And so there are times in our life where we get a directive from the Lord and we sit on it. I have. Maybe you haven't. I have. And what happens when you sit on it is you miss the moment to have your faith stirred and you miss the moment to participate in the work of God. So what you have to understand is because these shepherds were in, a, in accordance and in alignment with the timing of God, they got up and got going, they were able to see the word of the Lord fulfilled for themselves. Watch this. Now, can you imagine, had they seen the angel, the multitude, and all that, and said, well, that seen, Bethlehem is far. I hadn't really planned to travel tonight. I, I I don't I'm not doing that. Not now. I mean, we, we have the sheep. What are we gonna do with the sheep? I, I I doesn't make sense to me. I don't I don't think we should go anywhere. Can you imagine? Or can you imagine? Let's pretend this is actually Christmas. So Pretend this happened on December twenty fifth. Can you imagine that they say, "No, no, 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 no. We're not going to go. We're going to go on January fifteenth. Now, now we're ready. Now we're ready." Can you imagine? And so they head up to the inn on December on January fifteenth, and they say, "Excuse me, um, innkeeper. Uh, we would like to see the, the baby in the manger, please. We're here to see the baby in the manger." And they be like, "What are you talking about? What are you saying?" You you, you see, the things that God is prompting you to do, they're for right now. They're for now. And you will mess around and miss the moment. But let me be clear. One monkey don't stop no show. So when it comes to the, the, the will of God, he'll use another. He'll use a donkey. He'll use a baby. He'll use a child. Do you remember Esther? You remember that? And her cousin Mordecai was trying to tell her, like, you know, I think the Lord really wants to use you to free the people, to free your people. And she was like, I don't know. And he said, listen, deliverance going to come. If it don't come through you, it's going to come through somebody else. But maybe this is what the Lord is trying to do in your life. And so a lot of times the remedy for our frustration is to get busy obeying what the Lord has called us to do so that he can put us in a position to see and to hear what he's doing for ourselves to participate, to experience him. And so number one, you can build your faith through hurrying up in your obedience. Now watch this. Number two, you can build your faith by speaking the word. Watch this. Luke chapter 2, verse 17 now we know verse 16 they hurried up to go find the baby but what did they do when they got there verse 17 and when they saw it they made known the same that had been told them concerning this child they began to speak that word let me ask you in your day-to-day conversation how much of this word are you talking about As you encounter your day-to-day situations, how much of this Bible are you speaking out of your mouth? I mean, I know you're frustrated, and I know it feels good to articulate that, but how much of the word of God that will stir your faith is coming out of your mouth? And so these shepherds, they're hurrying along to obey. They're speaking the word. They're repeating that which they heard the Lord say. And then finally, oh my gosh, after all of that, verse 20, Their faith is stirred. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they go on this unexpected adventure to Bethlehem to see the Savior. And it says that they come back glorifying and praising God. What started off as a dry, normal night, what started off as a night in darkness of nothing, just, just a regular day. They came back praising. They came back loving. They came back different because they saw for themselves that it was true. Can you imagine coming home to your wife after that? Annabelle! You ain't going to believe this one. I was out with the sheep, and it was dark. I ain't going to lie, I was getting a little sleepy. And then the sky lit up. And then the angel had said that it was a baby and we had to go. It was me, Hezekiah, and Obadiah. And we all had wit. And we saw the baby. And, man, nah, I just really love the Lord. Like, we going back to church. Because they got to participate. Y'all don't hear me. They participated. It was them. Y'all don't, oh, my gosh. It was the shepherds. It wasn't the president. It wasn't the, the, the notoriety. It was the shepherds. It was the normal people. And the Lord said, I'm going to use you to spread my word, to bring forth what I'm trying to do in the world. Yeah. Woo! Some of y'all chasing stuff that don't matter. Just chase the Lord. You want influence? Chase the Lord. Oh. Gosh. Okay. Now, in the midst of your frustration, <laughs> God wants to use those moments so that you can have first-hand knowledge. Come on. Not recycled. firsthand knowledge. A personal eyewitness account. A personal testimony of his goodness and faithfulness. Not what you read in a book enough to start with but some of us been walking with God long enough that you ought to have an eyewitness testimony of the power of God Lord forgive us of the times where we forfeited those opportunities to know you a little better Lord forgive us of those times when our eyes were not focused enough to know that you were inviting us closer that you wanted us to participate in what it was that you were doing Oh, let me ask you this. Where is God inviting you to obey quickly? Fast, now, probably today. I'm not kidding you. Today, maybe before you leave here. Where is he calling you to move right now? No more excuses. No more questions asked. Where is he inviting you to move? Let me be clear. If you don't want to move and you know he said move, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, you're going to be frustrated. Because you're out of order. (sighs) If you're frustrated, God is inviting you into hurried obedience to feel to build your faith. Your feelings are very real. If you feel frustrated, if you feel over it, that's real. Feel your feelings, but also respond to the invitation to respond in faith. And it's an invitation. He will not push it on you. But he will invite you. And I pray that he helps us to say yes to the invitation. So, as we close, I have no idea how long I've been up here. I don't really know. But as we close, what I want you to know is that miracles are still happening at the manger. I know you feel dry. I know you feel tired. I know you feel uncomfortable. You've been inconvenienced. And it's been a long road, I know. But he's still doing a thing at the manger. He's still defying odds at the manger. He's still setting people free at the manger. He's still transforming you at the manger. He's still renewing your mind at the manger. Where you feel like you don't fit, know that you've been found. Know that you are protected, you are safe, you are secure. You are covered by God in the name of Jesus. Where you feel like you've been fooled, just know that's a trick of the enemy. Let me talk about it for just one second. The part of frustration that we don't talk about a lot is that it makes you susceptible to the snares and the tactics of the enemy. So you got to begin to get more cunning. You got to begin to get more discerning that even in your frustration, you still have the right lens to understand I'm still going to give God glory. I'm not going to get confused out here in these streets, okay? Yeah, I might feel full, full, but I'm not. I have the fullness of everything that God wants for me. If you feel full, change your focus to that eternal wide view perspective. And finally, if you're feeling frustrated, fast track your way through by having hasty obedience, quick obedience. Here's what I feel like the Lord would have us to know. That the Lord might say, don't marvel at my manger and be mad at your own. It's Christmas time, right? It's cute. Look at the cute little baby in the manger with the hay. That's not cute. I mean, yeah, kind of, maybe. But it's a lot, right? It's a lot happening. So don't be amazed by his manger and mad at your own. Say, you know what, Lord, you are working over here and you're going to work over here too. And so during this season, as we reflect on the birth of the Lord, let us be encouraged and follow his example that though we might go through our mangers, we might go through undesirable, uncomfortable, inconvenient seasons and circumstances. Let us go through them, trusting and having full confidence in the plans of God. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? And then I'll sit on down. Lord God, we thank you. I pray that you would seal what you've done right now, whatever aha moment we've had, whatever thing that you wanted us to get out of these moments, Lord, don't let it fall to the ground. Don't let it be something that we can't even remember tomorrow, but let it grow. Let it fall on good ground. Let it grow that we might be prepared to do and be the people that you called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.